How y'all doing? Good? Well, I'm always super excited when I get an opportunity to be up here to share God's word and to share a little bit of my heart with you. So hopefully we can accomplish both of those things today. And as Sherry mentioned, today is Palm Sunday. And today marks the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem while people were waving palm branches and we had this great, big, grand celebration. But it also marks the day that is one week before Jesus is crucified. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second, but first I wanna talk to you a little bit about where we've been the past few weeks. So a couple of weeks ago, we took a detour from the series that we were in after something significant happened while Brent was up here preaching on the stage. Brent experienced something two weeks ago that we call intercession. And intercession simply means when God allows us to feel something that somebody else is feeling and to stand in the gap for that other person. So while Brent was preaching on suffering at the 10 o'clock service two weeks ago, he had asked if anybody was suffering and to identify themselves so that way he could lead them in prayer. And while he was praying and leading them in the prayer that Jesus prayed while he was on the cross, God allowed him to feel the weight and the suffering of the people that were in the room. And it was significant. And after that happened, we talked about it and we all kind of just felt and said that God's not done with this topic yet. God has more to say to us about suffering and so we went against every, the plans that we had for the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter to stay in the series and we've kind of parked it right here and we've invited God and said, what would you have us talk about? What would you like to share with the people about suffering? And if you didn't have an opportunity to see any of those services, if you missed last week because of the rain or any other reason, I wanna invite you to go to city.church slash watch and watch the services. I believe it's one of the more significant services that we've had in a long time and that will be significant for you. So don't watch it alone. I invite you, I ask you to invite others to join you to watch while you watch it so that way that y'all can share and discuss what may have happened. I believe it will be significant for you in your life and if you call City Church your home, we want each of you to experience this as well. And what we have seen as we have stayed in suffering over the last couple of weeks is that God never said that we wouldn't experience suffering in this life. As a matter of fact, he set the expectations of exactly the opposite. He said that we would experience suffering in this life. And sometimes there's absolutely no reason for suffering. Sometimes we or someone we know will suffer and there's no reason at all. We acknowledge that there is evil in this world and that it creates senseless and horrible suffering. But sometimes, sometimes suffering serves a purpose. And today, I'd like for us to look at one of those times. But before we go there, I wanna tell you a little story. So by design, naturally, I um, was created with a personality that is a bit tough. You can say that I have a bit of a hard shell and I'm a pretty straight shooter. And I can with confidence say that anybody that knows me really well would not describe me as somebody who's passive. As a, as a matter of fact, there's some people that know me really well. As a matter of fact, 
My mom used to say that if she ever had to walk down a dark alley with any one of her kids, that she'd want to walk down it with me because she knew that we would be safe. But I remember this one time when that wasn't the case. I was in the eighth grade, and I met this boy from another school, and I liked him, and he liked me, and so he asked me to go around. Now, kids, back then in my day, that just meant he asked me to be his boo or his bae, and I was all excited, and I was like, yeah. Until I wasn't. You see, it turns out that this boy from another school had a girlfriend that went to my school and was in some of my classes. The thing was, he didn't break up with her until after he had asked me to go around. And I had no idea. I actually found out when she told me about it. And the thing was, this girl was a tougher girl. And she had tougher friends. She even had these two older sisters in high school that were tougher than her. And after several days of verbal confrontations in the hallway, not so nice notes, I got wind that she and her friends were going to jump me the next day after school. And I remember I went home and I was petrified. Like I remember I was sick to my stomach and I cried all night long and I didn't want to go to school and it was just like agonizing. But I went. And the next day, when I walk into the class that she and I had together, I walked in and she was there, and as soon as she sees me, she starts pounding her fist in her hand as her friend sitting next to her just stares at me and snickers. And so I sat down at my desk and my back's toward them, and I remember sitting in my chair and I was shaking, like literally shaking, and I put my head in my hands to hide the fact that I was crying. It was agonizing. And then about 10 minutes into class, the door flings open, and it's my mom. <laughs> now, what you have to understand is my mom. My mom didn't just walk in. She walked in in her stonewashed mom jeans that were a little high around the ankle, her white bobby socks, her white Keds shoes, and she was wearing a T-shirt that had Clifford the Big Red Dog on it. <laughs> You see, my mom was a kindergarten teacher, and she was a kindergarten teacher for over 35 years before she retired. And by nature, by her design, she's my exact opposite. She is incredibly passive. She is incredibly introverted. She loves all things Cat in the Hat and Clifford the Big Red Dog, and she communicates great with five-year-olds. But not that day. Woo! That day, my mom walked in. And I can honestly say I had never seen her like this before, and I can honestly say I've never seen her like this since. She grabs a chair, whips it around right next to me, facing the opposite direction, sits down, stares right at these girls, and looks at them and goes, what? <laughs> she sits down, folds her arms, and she stares at these girls for over 40 minutes straight. She does not look away until the bell rang. My little, passive, introverted, kindergarten teacher mom was a lion. And those girls heard her roar. Yeah. Y'all, and isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we all want? Like, we want a lion. We want a lion to stick it to the other person, to fight, to defend, to win, to make things right, to bring justice, to be a protector, a hero, to be fierce. No one wants to lose. No one wants to be afraid. No one celebrates being weak. No one wants to suffer. We all want the lion. 
And if we're being honest, isn't that the way that we want God to be too? Isn't that the way that we want him to work in our lives? We want him to hurry up and fix our spouse because we want the lion. We want him to come in and swoop in and fix all of our finances because we want the lion. We want him to stare at our kids for long, as long as it takes for them to start making the right decisions so they can hear him roar so we don't have to because we want the lion. We want him to cure our illness because we want the lion. We don't want to suffer. So we want him to take all of our suffering away because we all want the lion. But what happens when we don't get what we want? What happens when we are suffering and the one question that we want answers to is the question, why? And when we don't get that answer, we begin to think that God doesn't even understand. Well, we don't know much about the first 30 years of Jesus' life on this earth, but back then, 30 was considered the age of spiritual maturity. And that's when we see God start, or Jesus begin his ministry. And the first recordings in scripture of Jesus being physically identified and announced to people is a statement made by John the Baptist. Now, John, at the time, was a prophet, and he is the one that made way for Jesus, and he made way for the movement that Jesus would call the church. Well, one day, John was out baptizing people, and John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now, I think that this is interesting because this is the first time that Jesus gets identified. This is the first time that he is announced. And John could have said anything. He could have said, behold the Messiah. He could have said, behold the Son of God. He could have said, behold the one who's been prophesied about, the one who will perform miracles, but he didn't. He said, behold the Lamb of God. Now. Have you ever been introduced by someone and you know what they were saying, but you were confused as to what they meant? So like, follow me for a second. So it's like when you're single and you're dating. And you're dating somebody and he's really nice and he's kind of cute and he's, you know, he's all those things, but he doesn't have that much potential for you. And so you friend box him, right? You put him in the friend box. That's like no big deal. But then you, you go out and you run into him and his, some of his friends and he's like, hey, let me introduce you. Guys, this is my girlfriend that I've been telling you all about. And you're like, I know what being somebody's girlfriend means, but I'm a little bit confused as to how you got there with us. Because I know what that meant, I'm confused by what you said, because this is just not in our reality. Well, this is a little bit like what was happening here. John the Baptist introduces Jesus as the Lamb of God, and this could have been confusing for folks. You see, during Jesus' day, animal sacrifices were, were normal in almost all cultures, and they were actually required as a religious ritual. Now, I know that sounds really weird, and if that happened today, we'd all rightfully so be in an uproar, but while it may be looked down upon today, this was, we can fairly understand the reasoning behind it. So follow me for a second. No matter what culture we come from, we understand the, con the concept of payment and restitution. I owe, I pay. You owe, you pay. 
So if we see something at the store and we want it, we have to pay for it. Likewise, if we break a law and we get a ticket because we ran a red light, we're going to have to pay the fine. Or maybe if we commit a crime, we'll have to pay for that crime with our time and community service, or we'll have to pay for that with prison time. So we get the concept, I owe, I pay, you owe, you pay. So back in Jesus' day, depending on what sin you committed or what law you broke, you had to bring an animal as a sacrifice to pay for your sins so that way you could become right with God again. And a lamb was one of the currencies that was used. So are y'all tracking with that? We good? So the statement that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was huge. This could have been confusing though because it would have shifted their entire worldview because this was nowhere within their reality. All they knew was I sin, I pay. And when John the Baptist made this statement, he was saying that Jesus was a new form of payment. Okay, so fast forward a couple of years into Jesus' ministry, and he's been performing miracles. He turned water into wine, he healed the sick, he gave the blind sight, he made the lame to walk, he cast out demons, he raised the dead. He even fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He calmed storms, he walked on water, and he claimed he could forgive people's sins without the sacrifice required. You see, all of his miracles were tangible. They were visible. People could see before and they could see after. And then that was the reason why Jesus was there, that he caused that to happen. But for him to claim that he could forgive people's sins without the sacrifice, this was outside of the realm of reality for them. Because all they knew was, I sin, I pay. Jesus was a lion. Well, as you can imagine, he got pretty popular and he built up quite the following and crowds followed him everywhere he went because he was a lion. And this day, over 2,000 years ago, was no exception. You see, there was this huge week-long festival that people came from all around to celebrate called Passover. We don't know anything about that. It's kind of like Nyosa, Oyster Bake, Battle of Flowers, all rolled into one. A little week-long festival. Anybody going to Fiesta? Okay, just me. Got it. So Jesus was headed into Jerusalem so he could join this festival called Passover. Now the crowd that was gathered for the festival heard Jesus was on his way and they got so excited that they grabbed palm branches and they began to wave them in celebration. Now the palm branches were like a symbol of pride and honor. It's kind of like our national flag and how we would wave the flag at a soldier's homecoming. Or maybe like a Spurs flag or one of the towels that you'd get at a Spurs game and you'd wave it around at a World Championship Finals game. It's the same thing that the palms signified, unity, pride, and honor. And as Jesus rode into town, people would grab their palm branches that they were waving and they would lay them down on the ground so that way Jesus could ride in over them. And some people even took their coats off of their backs and they would put them down on the ground so that way Jesus could walk over them. It was as if they were rolling out the red carpet. You see, they all knew about Jesus. They knew about what he had done and they were giving him a king's welcome. 
because they thought that he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire. The empire that suppressed the people, taxed them, kept them in oppression. They thought that Jesus was riding into town to stake his claim as king. They were all cheering for the lion. Scripture describes that the whole city was stirred when Jesus entered Jerusalem. I picture it being as loud as a Taylor Swift concert. Like as soon as she comes out, it's like if you've ever been in one of those with all those teenage girls of those preaching, it's like, Wah! and it's like loud and people are cheering and she walks down and they part ways. Like it's the height of excitement and joy. That's what it was like on Palm Sunday. But no one, no one but Jesus knew that in a few short days, he would suffer. You see, a week later, Jesus got betrayed by one of his best friends. He got arrested when he committed no crime. He got beaten beyond recognition. And he got nailed to a cross. And after he was nailed on that cross, he was put on a hill and he was risen up on that cross to be on display for all to see and for all to mock. And mock they did. You see, the same crowd that erupted in praise when they thought that Jesus was a lion and cheered so loudly that the entire city was stirred was the same crowd that demanded his death. They hurled insults at him saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. They were saying, you raised the dead and now you're about to die. Where's the lion now? The chief priests and Jewish elders said, he saved others, but he can't save himself. You gave sight to the blind, you cast out demons. Why can't you save yourself? Where's the lion now? The soldier said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. You walked on water, you calmed the storms, you're claiming to be a king, you're no king. Where's the lion now? Even, even one of the thieves hanging on a cross next to Jesus hurled his own insults and said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. You think you can forgive people's sins and now you're hanging here just like me, just like a criminal? Where's the lion now? Everyone was looking for the lion. Have you, ever, um, have you ever wondered what Jesus might have felt? Have you ever taken a minute to just sit and process everything that he may have been feeling and experiencing? I know while I was preparing for this talk and just reading over and over what these people were saying, the people that were just a week ago cheering for him, it was heartbreaking. You see, on this day, Palm Sunday, Jesus was riding into the grandest celebration. He was the star of the show, surrounded by multitudes of people cheering for him, celebrating him, praising him, just desiring to get just a glimpse of him. He was riding into the welcome for a king. But inside, he was suffering 
He was in agony, anticipating what was to come, and he was grieving over a city and its people. And then Jesus, he suffered unspeakable pain through the cross. The cross carried so much suffering. The cross carried emotional suffering because Jesus was in anguish and anticipation, anticipation over what was to come. Scripture says that he was in such agony that he sweat beads of blood. The cross carried relational suffering because Jesus was denied by one of his disciples and he was turned in by another. And then the cross carried unimaginable unimaginable physical suffering. When he was beaten, whipped, crowned with thorns and then nailed to a cross. And sometimes when we are suffering, we can begin to question if God even understands and today I want you to know that he understands. No matter what you are facing, no matter what you are going through, I want you to know that our God is not a distant God. He understands suffering because his one and only son, his flesh and blood experienced suffering too. But this still begs the question, why? Like, why did it have to be this way? Why didn't Jesus save himself? Why didn't he come down off the cross? We know that he didn't have to. Why did he endure the suffering? Because he didn't come to be a lion. He came to be a lamb. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The world that they knew was I owe, I pay. And Jesus said, no more. Today, you owe, I will pay. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, Jesus didn't come to be a lion. He came to be a lamb. Jesus didn't just come for one sin. He didn't just come for one people or one group of people. He didn't come for those that have their act together. He didn't just come for the religious. He came and he suffered and he endured the suffering of the cross for you. And for you. And he did it for you. And for you. And he did it for you. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. He did it for every single one of us. You see, we all want a lion, but what we need is a lamb. His suffering had a purpose. Jesus was the final sacrifice. He was the payment for our sins. Sacrifices were required to get you right with God. And he paid your sin debt through the cross. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was the last sacrifice that makes us right with God. He was the final payment. You owe, he 
paid. But you have to accept his payment. And in order to do so, all you have to do is believe in him. And if you have never done that, if you have never believed in him and placed your faith in Jesus, I wanna invite you to do so today. And so in just a second, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you have never done this and would like to do it for the first time, I'm gonna ask that you just whisper the words that I'm going to pray out loud after me. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God and that you paid for my sins on the cross. Thank you. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that it's done. That in that very moment that you prayed that prayer, Jesus took your sin debt and he exchanged that for his payment and you no longer owe anything. It is finished. Now, each of you on your way in received a cup of communion. And so at this time, I'd like to ask you to stand and get out your communion cup so we can take it together as a church family. And if you would lift the clear tab that's on the top to take out the bread. The night before Jesus was arrested, he was sharing dinner with his disciples. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so today, before we take communion, I'd like for us to remember Jesus's body that was broken for us on that cross and let us give thanks. Thank you, Jesus. If you'll peel back the purple tab to expose the juice. That same night after dinner, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant that says that you will owe nothing. That I will pay. That I will be the sacrifice which is poured out for you. And so as we drink the juice, let us remember Jesus' blood that was poured out for us as the final payment for our sins. And let us give thanks. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Father, I just come before you. We come before you in the precious name of Jesus, God. And God, we sit here humbly 
in awe and in thanks of all that you have done for us, God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross, God. We thank you that Jesus had another way, that he could have changed the course of everything, but he didn't, that he said, I know what it's going to take. And he said he would do it anyways. God, I thank you that up on that cross, Jesus saw my sins, that Jesus saw the sins of every single person in this room, of every single person listening to this message, of every single person that has ever walked and will ever walk this earth. And he said yes for that person and for those sins too. God, I thank you that there is nothing that we have ever done or nothing that we could ever do that would separate us from you because of Jesus, not because of anything that we have done or anything that we could ever do, but because of Jesus. God, thank you for taking out the complexity. Thank you for allowing it to be just Jesus. God, I thank you for the people who have made the decision for the first time today to put their faith in you. God, I thank you for the people who have put their faith in you and have been walking in that light, in your light for years. God, I pray for each and every single one of them to be able to see, to see you as you continue to reveal yourself to them. God, I pray for everybody listening to this. God, I pray your blessings pour out on them. I pray for protection against all evil and that you fulfill your unique purpose that you have called and predestined for each and every one of them in their lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.